The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. Each week on the podcast, we visit a different foodie city and explore the cuisine that makes that place special, whether it be custard tarts in Lisbon, mango beer in Mumbai, or lizard curry in Guatemala. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Wow, a Chang and a pour, and, a, and is it a Shannon pour? I don't know. He hasn't said what it is, and it's a Shiner, which you know ah, I'm already cool. I'm already aroused. I like it. I like it. <laughs> hey, early everybody, in the welcome morning. to the winemakers. I'm John Myers with Bart Hanson, Brian Casey, Speechless. and Jasmine is sitting in with us this morning. So Hi guys, Jasmine going. Egan, officially uh, um, date thrown down for the uh, coupling down. of you and your. Uh, fiance, yeah, right. like Ian and I are finally tying the knot. She's on lock, guys. So <laughs> too late, you yeah. missed out. And coming in from super secret uh, uh, negotiation assignment. Assignment, yeah. That's not no no, no negotiations. Assignment, Sam Katuri. Who? Where? I wasn't. <sighs> what are we drinking? We're not sure. It's a shiner, but it's from Bart. So yeah, exactly, and. <laughs> And it's not red, so gives yeah. you an idea. You make white wine, Bart? <laughs> um, Sam, you know, it's uh, spring releases for some of us. Some of us are going to wait, and we'll revisit it maybe. This this podcast totally uh, is, we're kind of winging it. I mean, I have spring releases that we could open. Okay. Bart well, said you it feels like spring, and so he's doing spring release. Fall, summer. It's summer, yeah. That's it. Total it's fall, right summer. 78 <laughs> degrees when I drove home after work yesterday. Yeah. We're fucked. We're fucked. <laughs> we're fucked. No, we're fucked. Wow, that well, is the name of the show, that. I guess. Since we're fucked, let's talk about how guys, we are. You guys all need to pick up this book and start reading it. How to be a human in a warming world under the sky we make. By, is it, say, Kimberly Nichols? Kimberly Nichols, PhD. She's actually from Sonoma um, and currently living and teaching in Sweden. Do any of you guys read books? Oh, maybe Jasmine. Couple, Does she have an audio book? A couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I, this book is making me read a book. Is she a Nicholas as in the like the turkey farms? I, I, I think she is. I, I think I, we had a. I think I interacted with her on on Twitter, yeah. and we had this conversation. She's gonna. Um, she she'd love to do a uh, a podcast okay. from Sweden. From Sweden? Yeah, that's where she lives. Well, we Holy wouldn't have to shit. go to Sweden, Brian. Zoom. Well, we could. <laughs> Wait, can we, can we? We can go see ABBA. Can I get sent to Sweden? <laughs> <laughs> no, you get Tennessee and Arkansas. It's Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And <laughs> she's going to sell more Cabernet than we will sell Grenache and Hospice to Rhone in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, yes. I'm yeah, I mean, very not excited. To, not to typecast an area or anything. But that's the event. You know, it's, a, it's we're going, it's a... A Moon Mountain District uh, spotlight at the Philbrook Wine uh, Auction. Cool. So we'll be pouring our beast mode, Simon's Cabernet, and knocking everyone's socks off. Nice. So a bunch of Moon Mountain people. So you're 
you're gonna have fun. We'll be at hospice. Yeah. It'll be boring, and you'll be in Arkansas <laughs> pouring Cabernet for some hillbillies. Hey, hey, hey! I can talk about on. some volcanic soil for days, so it'll it'll work out. Oil men, oil, ooh, oil men. Okay, there's money in those. Yeah, I, I hear deep pockets all around. There's, the there's gold in them Nar hills. Some of them might listen to the show. So <laughs> What do we? Hey, you know, the, the, what, we're from California. What do we? I'm getting bashed over the last month. I've been doing some of the wine tastings at the hotel when wineries don't show up. I can't tell you how many people come from other parts of the country now that are like, "How can you live here with all this? All we see driving to Oakland to the airport is homeless people on the sides of the freeway. We go to San Francisco. It looks like it's post-apocalyptic. It's, it's wild. Homeless people running the towns." Yeah, they're like you guys. What do you, what is what are you doing? I'm like, well, we have empathetic uh, leaders in um, in politics, and they're like, well, you guys need to fix that shit because it's out of control. All those people left those other states where. I, well, I said, here. hey, if you're homeless, where would you want to live? It's <laughs> 80 degrees in February here. Yeah. Would you rather be homeless here or in Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Chicago, you see the Podfather is doing both of his knees at the same time. Good luck, Ed. Good luck, Alex. Man, so I he's going to have to have someone push him around in a wheelchair um, for a little bit. You got to have somebody to help. Back up and walk pretty fast. Really? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, okay. I hey, I would. I don't want to go through it again. I did one. I certainly don't want to do the Edge other. Edge young. So Edge young. Yeah, my dad did like, one, then did the other one. Yeah. He didn't want to do them both at the no, same time. No. Well, speaking of this, we're screwed on on summer. It is a summer day, and it's February, I believe. Right. I know. I'm wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. But I like the one about support your local uh, moisture farmer. The t-shirt you had. That, oh, that was a my, good one. My, my Star Wars. Uh, yeah. yeah. Shout so out to Luke. What is going on with? <laughs> I mean, what's going to happen if it just rolls right now into summer? We get a tiny bit more rain, but that's it. Uh, Who? I mean, there's a part of it that's just like so unprecedented that you don't really know. Um, But bud break happening as early as it's happening right now just like opens up the window for, you know, potential for frost damage and storm damage, hail, wind, rain. Uh, and, and, and all of those are totally possible because the well, fact is the weather patterns are a total like wild game, right? right. Wild card right now. Yeah. I mean, you have no idea what could come. We could, we could totally get frosted, you know, in, in three weeks from now. Well, cause it's not, it, you know, it's 80 degrees today, but it was still 40 degrees this morning. Yeah. yeah still a little frost heater's on still coming on at night. It's just, yeah. it's just, if you open up your windows around noon, you heat the house back up real quick. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, on the flip side, cover crops look like they're, you know, two months ahead of where they would be uh, normal because of all that rain early. That's amazing. But if we don't get more rain, it's not like, you know, we were at such a surplus in October and then December that everybody felt like, Oh, you know, drought is not, it was over. Drought is not over right now. You know, we're sort of slowly falling back into below average territory. You know, uh, we're going on like 38 days without rain now. Um, and Sierra snowpack was at 150% of normal in December. And now we're in like the nineties. And if it doesn't snow, it'll, you know, by the time we finish the year, we'll be, 
in the sixties or seventies. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely the extremity, the extremes of climate change and, and the drought and, you know, those offshore dry summer winds at the top of yeah, well, Loon mountain this morning, f- fire in, um, Malibu this fire, morning, yeah, exactly. driven by the winds. Laguna Beach is on fire oh, right now. I'm sorry, Laguna, Laguna, Beach. Laguna Beach. Laguna Beach. Jasmine's yeah. old neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do you deal with that in the field then? What, uh, just go ahead and deal well, with like it's summer right now? I, well, we're making things sure things get as pruned faster. You know, things that we wouldn't have had to prune until March are getting pruned right now. Um, are we going to incorporate the cover crops, you know, mow till uh, crimp earlier? Maybe. Um, you know, will you have to water earlier and more often? Probably. You know, in a perfect year, we don't water until um, Verasian. But, I, you know, if it doesn't rain again, we're going to have to water these vines at, at bloom, maybe. I don't know. It's just, it's, again, it's like there's unprecedented things happening so you're gonna to have to do unprecedented things from the farming standpoint i have an interesting question is there a best case scenario that we'll be the judge of that yeah, <laughs> who are you to well, say that I, exactly like i i this is a, that's why it's a question um <laughs> since we are a lot of people are picking a little bit earlier um trying to avoid our inevitable fire season is there any way that us starting early would get the grapes ready in a more timely fashion for that? Or are we still probably, I mean, uh, these are all hypotheticals, but um, I mean, is there a possibility where our pH and bricks levels will be in an earlier set? So have we not go through harvest up every year is what you're saying. I'm not saying we move harvest up. I think I, (laughs) I mean, I mean, Jasmine, you pose an interesting question and I think that's a, and, and Sam, of course, your comments are mean more than mine, but it, if the clock of the life cycle of the grape starts earlier, I mean, yeah, right. maybe we will, but it's all going to be dependent on what happens right. over the next, of course, you know, X avoiding months. frost, and, and, right? Yeah, and and because it's not, it's still not climate change. It's not like we're seeing a balanced. We're seeing some things happen every year, but but again, we could have frost. We could have a big. We could have a crazy, you know. March or well, probably not March, but April of rain. I mean, who knows? Who knows? The the problem is some of these factors are driven by the weather. So early warm, early rain, we're going to have these early bud breaks, but there's still some of it that has to do with the, the amount of light. You know, mm-hmm. what what triggers bloom? What triggers uh, verasion? What you know? What triggers fruit set? What triggers ripeness? Has as much to do with with you know where you are in the solar calendar you know right. from from equinox and and uh solstice and you know back to the autumnal equinox that weather disruptions like this being out early yeah you might end up running you know verasion earlier and get bricks sooner but actual ripeness is going to be triggered by the amount of light in the day and what the vine chooses to sort of you know what stages the vine is in because of that that throw off the balances in a way that, you know, it's, it's hard to say, Oh, just because it's earlier coming out that we're going to be earlier. Yeah, you're not using grow lights. 
<laughs> well, and that's what you do with grow lights, right? I mean, yeah. it's the same thing. You, you use grow lights, and you 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 change the amount of light, and the the plant flowers, right. and you know, right. It's it's the same. It's the same concept. It just it happens, uh, you know, of thirty seconds every day with you know. And we're feeling it right now. I mean, it's the sun is up earlier, and and it's lighter an hour later than it was a month ago. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And and it's. But instead of being cold, and especially up on the hills, instead of being still cold, it's still, it's pretty warm. It's going to 75 today. It was 67 degrees at my dad's house at 10 o'clock last night. There you go. Well, and just your post yesterday was so triggering, like cover crop and sunflowers. Like you don't see sunflowers till like July. Like this is insane. And and great again, that's, you know, uh, there is the earliness of the things and, and, how early that big rain was was is part of why everything is so early this year right now because things got to have that big winter drink two months earlier than they you know see those whatever that random sunflower seed that fell out of you know something that landed in that vineyard uh, germinated or two months earlier than it would have you know if we didn't have fourteen inches of rain uh, you know at the end of October so there is definitely I mean the balance is off. There's a disturbance in the force to, for the moisture, for the moisture farmers out there. I will say that I did really appreciate having a legit colorful fall this year and having a really green winter. It's been gorgeous. Yeah. 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 Anyone who's seen that, who was it that used to have the screensaver? Was it like Apple or Microsoft? Microsoft. It was Microsoft. <laughs> Cause that's what, I used to think of when you would drive between Petaluma and Novato. It was in the summer; it was rolling brown hills, but then in the winter, it was those rolling green hills. It looked exactly like that screensaver. That's where they shot it. Are, are you sure no, that screensaver was shot? Was uh, um, no, 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 no. It was it was uh, Highway what was that one twenty one and Napa Road. Yeah, right here in you know Carneros on your way to Napa, the uh, Sonoma Valley, the the. Sonoma Valley, uh, and between when that photograph was taken and now, there's you know 100 acres of vineyard on those hills. <laughs> I'd like to go. I'd like to compare them. You know, I'd like to look now and see it then. Do the side by side. Yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't stripes of Roundup when that <laughs> photo was taken. For... <laughs> Did I say that online? Was that online? Yeah, yeah it's online. So it's online, baby. I. I'm not going to throw these people under the bus, but I went by a vineyard that I know was organic and it had very, very obvious spray lines under it. Is it, There's still not a uh, organic police spray. No, spray that's working like that, right? I, I mean, did Weed Slayer get its Omri badge taken off the back of the label? I, when all that came out that it had glyphosate, I don't know. Right, uh, you're right. Did yeah, it actually happen? Mm, yeah. Who knows? Did they buy it before? It well, that's the other thing, right? So, yeah. Or maybe they're just not getting certified anymore. Right. You know, well, the, we were just actually making fun of these farmers, uh, not specifically, but people who are like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm organic," except for I spray some Roundup. They're <laughs> right? like, "What the? That's you can't know." We used to always say, you know, if. If um, Roundup was organic, everybody would be organic. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and my friend George, who um, worked for a long time 
for well, I th- actually, I guess he still does work for Monsanto. He used to say, ah, oh, you can drink Roundup. And I just go, George, George, uh, George, George. You can also get cancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that's okay. Look what happened to Marlboro Men, the, the Cowboys. Right. You, you can smoke out on that, uh, on the range. You're going to die out there too, man. So, hey, it's really interesting. We've been talking about this Roundup Free Sonoma County for a decade. And we kind of thought it happened. They took it, they took it off the shelves and not going to use it on public property anymore. So, you know, wherever they spray, at least they're not spraying Roundup. Or that's what I'm told. Now, what do you know, Sam? Well, I mean, they did take it off. Some businesses took it off shelves. Um, I don't know that everything did. And you can still you can still buy it commercially. Yeah, I think for the county, you're right. That did happen. I think that's still I think they're still holding that true, John. Um, so I don't see any more weeds. Today in The Guardian out of the UK, one in three Americans have detectable levels of toxic weed killer. I saw that article. Yeah. Didn't Ross Kennard yeah, post right, that? Yeah. Yeah. Kennard Family Farms posted that. Yeah. Uh, Oh, uh, I have, well, that was. I just took a screenshot. I'm gonna dig in actually read the full article because it says you know there's science that I don't understand. So I'll, I'll pretend. I'll have to read it so I can pretend to understand it. But, so one of the things that we were actually talking about this morning, the reason that I was late, I was up on top of Moon Mountain, and you, you think of Moon Mountain District Appalachian is 1,500 acres of planted vines. Uh, Enterprise Vineyards farms maybe three or four hundred acres of that. Uh, according to Brene, uh, there's an initiative underway, and I don't know, you know, it's going to take a while because these things take a while, A, with the bureaucracy of the world, but also of a corporation like Gallo. It's effort underway to get Monterosso certified organic. And then you're talking about half, if not more, of the planted acres of the Moon Mountain District are organic. And at that point, what we would like to do is the board of the Moon Mountain District Growers Association and say, if you are going to put the name Moon Mountain District on your label, you can't do it unless you're organic, which would make us the only appellation in the world that says in order to say you're from this appellation, hmm. AVA, AOC, DOC, whatever, uh, that you have to farm organically. Nice. So I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And you sit up there and, you know, you today was a, the view of... You know, from the top of, from the feather block at, at Reprie, Moon Mountain Vineyard, uh, because of that wind they were having and this dry air, uh, you can see three bridges, right? You can see yeah, the Golden wow. Gate Bridge, you see the Richmond Bridge, you see the Bay Bridge, you see all of downtown Oakland, you see all of downtown San Francisco. Everything that we do up there is affecting those people. And you end up with one in three people in the world have, you know, in the United States have, have toxic weed killer in their systems because of, you know, just... There's a lot of reasons, but if we can cut out one of those reasons, you know, the wines that they drink, the air that they breathe and the water that they drink in that comes out of Sonoma Valley to, you know, not have it in it anymore. Um, you know, every little piece of this, you know, it's not just one thing. Every little piece has got to slowly change or quickly yeah. change. It's fucking 90 degrees in the middle of February. And, and that's the gist of this the gist of the book that I was speaking about earlier. It's that, you know, the science is out there. We know what we can do to change things. Now what it takes is if you're waiting for political change and, and, and large movements, it's not going to happen. It takes each and every one of us to make changes in your lives. And, you know, every time you do that, you do slow it down and you just have to help push it along. So, yeah. 
Hold up the book. <clears throat> yeah, hold up the book hold for the, the camera. Book for the for the <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Hold up the book, Mike. Under the sky we make how to be human in a warming world. Kimberly Nichols. And, yeah, so. Of PhD. Sonoma Valley. Of Sonoma Valley, yeah. Uh, now Sweden. Now Sweden. Does any uh, does anyone want to talk about Randall Graham? He's mentioned Gallo. Uh, you know, that was I actually brought that up this morning because if if uh, Gallo is letting Randall Graham do whatever the heck he wants, you know, doing uh, Raposo style runes and drying them out in warehouses and driving all up and down the state finding grapes. Um, if they can afford, they can afford that. They can afford anything. The largest winemaker on the planet. Um, they can afford to take their prized jewels, places like Monterosso, Stagecoach. Now these vineyards that, you know, yeah, it'd be better for the world and the farmers and the people who live around it to farm it organically. We all know, you know, this, if you listen to this podcast over the last five years, it's going to make the wines better. And what are you putting the type of money that you're putting into farm Monterosso and to farm Stagecoach anyway, if you're not going to do it to make the wine as good as you possibly can? Yeah, they've been. A, is that how's, is that my how's that my ran, transition out of Randall Graham? I was making I a bunch was, of wines that we like, can't get anyway because mm. they're like the sell out in thirty seven minutes, and then you get a nine page article from Elaine Hawkwaka Waka and Chances yeah. Robinson about it, and now you really can't get those wines. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine. <laughs> I just thought it was an odd pairing. Gallo and Randall Graham. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did this started obviously a while ago because he's got some wines out and, um, you know, he was it was an opportunity for him. I mean, like, I totally see why he wanted to do it. He he has all these crazy things in his mind, like the vineyard. I'm drawing a blank on the Papa, vineyard. I can't. Well, you can't. Even if you can. Papa Chulum. Papa Chulum. Papa Chulum. Papa Chulum. And 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 all that costs an amazing amount of money so if someone like gallo offered you to like you want to do experiments like we value your experience and your thought process yeah yeah it's kind of like the willy wonka well with no, all the new just, with all no, the new varietals and it's all not that. that he's the willy wonka he got the golden ticket uh, <laughs> he's both he's both willy wonka and the golden ticket wow. uh friend of the pod friend of the pod um and and bonnie doing randall you know he's always sort of walked this line between sort of pushing the edge and avant-garde, but also uh, uh, in the corporate side of the wine. You know, Bonnie Doon had brands, and the reason that Bonnie Doon got sold to the, you know, the people who bought it is because there was SKUs in that lineup that are nationally distributed, screw top, you know, the whole thing. So he definitely has a history of sort of having, a, you know, Sorry. you know, having a foot in both waters. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, it's the golden ticket. If you have, and, and Gallo's doing this with a few people, right? It, it's, Dave it's a, it's a actually much yeah. smaller version than what they're doing with Dave Finney, who's, you know, has a similar sort of, uh, you know, it seems ring. like seems like a blank check to go out and do whatever he thinks will make good wine and sell. Well, they've been on the huge, big side. You know, let's let's do some cool things that are organic and, and advance everything. It, it seems like they're making some good moves anyway. It's gone. It's cool to hear, you know, yeah. all these different things that are happening with Gallo. You just don't think 
that. Well, who's that? What's that movie with Brad Pitt about the A's? Where he, Moneyball. Moneyball, Moneyball where... Where, he, where Billy idea. Billy goes to meet the the GM of the Reds or the owner of the Red Sox and he says, you know, don't you, you know, you're gonna first person through the wall takes a lot of shit and and um, you know you're gonna catch a lot of hell and the owner of the Red Sox says, well, the thing about having money, Billy, is that you don't really have to pay attention to what other people say. Well, and there is something to be said, you know. There's probably a gallo drone that's gonna fly over us and listen to our conversation, so we should make sure we. Uh, don't get shots taken. Um, as a, f- it's still a, f- you know, it is the largest winemaker on in the world. It's still a family business, right? It's not, you know, it's not Constellation or Treasury, who are, you know, publicly traded board of directors run, and and you get kind of, you know, those are the brands, the companies that destroy brands. You know, with with if you look at, you know, it's polar opposite what Quarterly constellation profits. did to the prisoner right. to what gallo's doing with the rest you know Orrin swift and the rest of the the dave finney portfolio it shows you all you need to know about a you know their california wine growers I and mean, you know they're just because for they're from modesto we don't need to hate uh, well i mean they're actually they're wine growers they're they are they're in it for wine you know constellation didn't come exactly from wine originally um, you know, uh, what did, what did they do? To the I, uh, they, yeah, let me spit that out real quick. Uh, what Constellation did to the prisoner when, and it was sort of in the arc through Quinn, through Huneus, uh, right. But also won't talk too much shit about it because they're going to be on the show in a week. Um, but what the prisoner started as was an uber blend of everything that Dave Finney could get his hands on from Napa Valley that wasn't Cabernet. You know, so it's Zinfandel-based blend, essentially. But, you know, Dave Finney's this talent as far as blending and creating these wines. Uh, and as the prisoner grew, and it was not cheap. I mean, it wasn't expensive, but it was a $50, $60 bottle of wine. And as the prisoner grew as a brand... And now under the Constellation ownership, it's, you know, they have this big, amazing winery in, in you know, the heart of Napa Valley, uh, but it's a California appellated bottle. So they're getting grapes from wherever because in order to fulfill the kinds of needs that they need to fulfill volume wise, you can't just get every Zinfandel grape grown in Napa Valley that's available to buy. You got to go beyond that. And as you go beyond that and expand, the quality dropped the coca colaization of it increased and um and really the price never fell so you're still paying the same amount for something that doesn't have you know this sort of uh, uh dna that it once had um and and now it becomes uh sort of the butt of jokes in you know the wine aristocracy or whatever we are right yeah. but it was always an experiment in blending it was always an experiment in bulk juice blending but it said napa valley on the label yeah you know and that was that that does then and still means a lot you know it means a lot to say where it comes from in a way like that i will say though it 
what it did do that is beneficial from my point of view is it got your, you know, average, I buy my wine in a grocery store person to get to that price point. And then they come here and I'm for like, Zin. for Zin. Yep. And then they come here and I'm like, hey, you want to try single vineyard organically farmed hand harvested Zin? Oh, by the way, it's the same price and a thousand times better and organic. Like it got people to that point. And, you know, I feel like the prisoners outreach, you know, kind of elevated people's understanding of, you know, wine doesn't have to, you know, come into a big jug and it can be a little bit more expensive. And once you're at that point, hey, guess what? You can get a much better quality wine for the same price, if not cheaper. I dig the jujitsu of that argument, Jasmine. <laughs> the get people to pay $50 a bottle for something that sucks. <laughs> or doesn't right. not suck, well, but it's better it's than and what they were drinking before. Yeah. And then go, here, you can spend the same amount. Yeah. Or maybe a little bit more. Well, I mean, I, you know, Man District. I, I was going to say, I had an experience where I got to switch in that we were out over the holidays f- to a restaurant, had very limited wine list. A couple of the things I was interested they didn't have, but they had the prisoner. And they had the prisoner at what I thought was an incredible price for what the prisoners charged. So I ordered the wine. Didn't have anything saying that it was a Cabernet. It was the prisoner Cabernet. Right. And it was a California Appalachian. And it was weak and insipid. Right. You know? And so th- I've, I totally fell for it. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, instead of the name. Ju- yeah. I mean, yeah. There's another local winery using a name that used to be, used to mean something here. It used to mean their estate best biodynamic wine. Right. And now it... It just well, is out there as well, so, a tribute to mediocrity. As right. It yeah, basically. Well, exactly. and, 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 you know, I mean, yeah, because there's tribute, which is still what it is to the best of their ability. And then there's a tribute, you know, which is a total kind of farce. And yeah. um, it's too bad. It's a tribute to mediocrity. Right? So I would want to, this is a picture that I showed some of you guys that. Dan Chapman, the psalm that was working at the Fairmont with me, he's now back in San Diego, but he was in a museum the other day, and he saw this. This is from 1815 by Goya, and it's not exactly it, but it looks like very similar to the prisoner label. Looks like side angle pose and yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the woman's perspective on the (laughs) Winemakers podcast. (laughs) Well, sorry, Sam, you do I, yoga I do as yoga, well. Sorry. But yeah. I, don't, I don't remember things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bart, what, it was Chenin Blanc, I'm assuming, that we were trying earlier. So, yeah, that's the 2019 Chenin Blanc. From what vineyard? From Buddha's Dharma. Buddha's Your Dharma. last okay. Buddha's Dharma. Uh, hopefully not. I'm, I'm actually... back in. I, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that was a temporary... Um, a temporary change. Um, I'm actually, Dane has his last basketball game today up in Upper Lake. Wish us luck. Um, and uh, I'm going to stop by and take a look at the go, vineyard. What's the Sonoma Academy uh, mascot? The Coyotes. Go Coyotes. Go Yotes. Go Yotes. Yeah. Hey, this three-point shot is beautiful. It, it's, um, he has moments of brilliance. And then, <laughs> and then, so game today, and then tomorrow he starts track and field. So, wow. um pretty excited about that yeah is anyone else i'm kind of the winter olympics are boring i liked i like the snowboarding right and then um skeleton me and abby were watching skeleton last night and i said i think they call it skeleton because you're going down basically a skateboard on a 
on a, a water slide of ice. Succeed with, or you're going to be a skeleton. <laughs> and well, you're going to hit your head. But the thing about skeleton is it's <laughs> skeleton's not that much different than the luge. It's just for people who want their head to hit everything it, first as opposed head to Head first, which Abby was like, yeah, I'd go head first. <laughs> but other than that, it's just a bunch of, uh, I don't know. I like I'm, I'm, I like the Summer Olympics way better. All right, so it's, wait a minute. It, so It's really hard as a skier to watch these skiing events where there's no snow. And right. isn't that weird where they, they pull back and show the mountain and, and it looks like, like a normal a, mountain a and then strip strips of, of white, white, a white run that they built. Yeah. And you know, there's and it's not like, a ski resort. It was built for this. For the Olympics. And, and there's this argument that I've read that it's like something to be said for it's sort of like the honesty of it. And there's like, the, there's no like wool trying to be pulled over. They just like, yeah, we yeah. pumped a bunch of snow into the, Gobi Desert and made a ski Keep run. Keep shopping at Target and Walmart and pay for that shit. And the and the and and I read that everybody's seen the image of the the snowboarding with the, the jump with the with the nuclear yeah. It, it, it and it found it turned out it's not <laughs> nuclear. It's a coal. It has something to do with coal production. It's even better. And it's wait a minute, wait a minute. No, it gets even better. It gets oh, even great. better. And the reason why they built it there, it's a way to show how progressive China is. It's an abandoned coal factory and they're showing what they what good they've done and how they're they're they, evolving because they turned it off for the two weeks yeah, exactly. there. everybody leave turn it off see how it's clean coal it's, clean. <laughs> it's actually white <laughs> white coal and texas a, tea a trillion gallons of water later yeah what's the big deal about making the snow that's so unenvironmentally friendly all the water. Is that a lot, it? a lot of water and a lot of power. Right? I mean, if... And it's got to feel different. It's not like... That's that's what the skiers are saying. Is, is it's yeah. very, like, grippy. And, yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's a tough surface. So it's people dangerous. that were, like... If people train in, like, an indoor mall, like in Japan, where they have those slopes, maybe you have, like, an advantage over someone who's living in Park City, Utah. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's just very odd. Anyway, you just mentioned track and field, and I was like, man, I remember Summer Olympics are so much cooler. Yeah. I don't think anybody's watching them. The scores are way, way, way are they? down. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I've been hearing a lot of good about this Valeria. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some nice stuff. Delicious. The Shannon Blanc's great. Yeah. So Shannon... now we got 19 Valeria. Yeah, I think that, that just real quick on the Shannon Blanc, um, I think it's – um, it's a little more fruit driven than the, um, 18, which was, you know, spent so much time on the leaves. It was, it was really kind of yeasty. Um, so I, I, am liking that about it. I think somewhere along the way, it tastes to me like, um, we might've topped it with Roussan instead of Shannon Blanc. Uh, I, it has, um, it has a Roussan, certain what, like there's baked like, apple like a, and there's like a weight to it Yeah, that, um, I think what it was is Brian wanted a little bit of Shannon in his Roussan, and he switched the tags uh, on a keg. And the old nobody, switcheroo. Yeah. When nobody was looking. Right, exactly. So you can keep the Psalms out of the winery, man. <laughs> Secret blend. So if you want any of that Shannon Blanc with a touch of Roussan, right. or if you just want to, what I would do is get the Shannon with the Roussan. I would get the Roussan with the Shannon, and then order the previous vintage of the Shannon that's 100% Shannon and do a side-by-side -side of all of them. 
There you go. And you could order some uh, 16600 homage blanc or the may not have some Roussan that, that has Shannon but not blended in, but possibly fermented together. Co-fermented. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a virtual tasting to me. Oh, my God. Speaking of virtual tasting, did you see Todd the other day with his Tignanello? Um, it, so, was, it was like a vertical of like five different vintages. And yeah. who were those guys he okay. was with? So, so that's, that's a, a group referred to as Riff Raff that hangs out down there. And um, Todd and Eric um, hosted it. Um, I, it killed me not to be there. I was invited, but I couldn't make it. Um, but yeah, Eric likes to share some wines with that. And Eric is the photographer. Correct. Made that, some, he made some Grenache from the Miller Vineyard. Correct. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, all you got to do is uh, sit around Sonoma's Best and drink wine on Wednesdays yeah. and you can yeah. figure those things out. Well, in, in general, Todd's been dropping some like flexes on the, on the Sonoma's Best shelves that show up for a half an hour until somebody comes in there and buys them out of the three bottles of some burgundy i'm telling you todd's created himself a little he's got this little list of people and he gets to bring those things in and you're right they don't last very long you know i asked that question he knows that they're going to be sold before he puts it on instagram but he puts it on instagram just to like Uh, right you know well it's funny whenever i see brayden down there they're always you know brayden brayden must buy a lot of wine um that's the uh, well, a now Braden lives on in Sonoma again, right. so he you know it's part of his commute. Right. But I think that there is a, at the end of the day, like there's this admission that we all have to make that winemakers and wine industry people are driving a lot of the like rare and unicorn wine kind of sales because we you know we're in this sort of like insular bubble of like oh Todd's got the right Todd's Todd's got the Clota Pop right. let's go grab that before he right. You know, puts it on the shelf and lets a tourist or buy it. I do the. What we need to do more of is buying, <laughs> get together and buy them and open them on the show. That way we can taste them together. You know? Oh, nicely done. With the riffraff. No, just us. No, no, no. We, yeah, yeah we, we would be the riffraff. We would be the riffraff. Yeah. I do that when I do tastings and they go, yeah, we just left Todd at Sonoma's Best. And I go, what did he buy? <laughs> I want to know what he bought. And I go, okay. All right, so Valeria. So Valeria. This is this This for me is like a. A Pinot converter. Well, so, you know, this wine, um, again, I was, um, it got picked a little sooner than what I would have because I didn't, it's a field blend, five very distinctly different vin, or varieties, um, supposedly planted each about 20% each. Um, but each year it's driven by, you know, whatever happens to those vines. So I don't know what it, I'm trying to figure out what it seems to be showcasing. Um, but it was picked a little bit on the early side. And I think it shows that way. And especially your comment, like a Pinot converter. Um, uh, it's got a little bit of furry tannin that, um, you know, this has been open for a couple of days. Um, uh, actually, I guess 36 hours or so, but um, it's already starting to soften on that just from that time. Um, but it's, I love the bright, fresh fruit. Yeah. I think if anything right Pretty now, too. I think it's like Carignan driven because the fruit mm. is real fleshy. Um, it doesn't, or, or maybe Carignan Zinfandel, you know, or, or underripe Grenache. <laughs> so that's where, the, that's where the, those tannins come from. Probably. Right. Right. So this is the, um, Idel family, Idel, the Oscar the block. Oscar, right, oh, right. nice. Right. So it's it's Carignan, um, Grenache, Zinfandel, Petite, and help oh, me out there. No. no, I think it's Mouved. 
Oh, oh you got my hopes up. I was hoping to put this back on at the fig. It's that Zen world. It's that word. Zen world. You don't have to say that. <laughs> eh, we'll see. It's a it's a it's the, the a red Ro- blend. The Rhone winemakers love Zinfandel. First of all, I know Zinfandel right. grows oh, and label. looks. You know how small I like... put it in print, though. Like no one's gonna be able to read that. It's a red Rhone right. blend. John Toolsy will pull the magnifying glass out. Mm-hmm. He, he has he no yes, idea. He has no idea. <laughs> Please, he's busy booking his twenty-five dinners. Twenty-five years of dinners and opening the Fig Cafe now. So. He's got with a lot reservations. On yeah, Ooh. with reservations. Wow. Wait, he has reservations about right. opening the we big cafe? We all have reservations. <laughs> or <laughs> they're taking reservations. Correct. Different. So they're, again, tweaking the fig cafe a little bit, which no one has learned that you cannot tweak the fig cafe. <laughs> there is until those people die in Glen Ellen, which is not that far away. Well, no, with, no <laughs> there's corkage now also. Yes. Oh, boom. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Okay, well, we tried that before, too. Tried changing the menu before and got so much crap on Yelp. What is it that really sells there? What do they want to do? People want to come bring their own wine. And they want to have the same stuff on the menu all the time so that they can come and have. It's like it's almost like you're you're cooking for them at their house. And there's certain things that they like. And they want those to always be there, and they don't want you to remove yeah. the corkage. Well, and so so when these people are are moved out, and these million people move in with the with the new well, that's the thing is is, is when Saunders did the remodel, it was the opportunity the, where she fucked up, and she she will say this is that she didn't change the name. If she just would have changed the name, it could have been whatever. It, but anything but the Fig Cafe, the Glen you Ellen could have done Cafe. whatever menu you wanted. You could have charged corkage. And if people went on Yelp and complained, you say it's not the same restaurant. Because people are, are people seem to go to Glen Ellen Star and pay corkage, which is right down the street. So how come they can't pay corkage two doors down? I know. It's, I mean, I like bringing wine into places, but I also like working at a place that charges corkage. Uh, what do we got? What do we... I like going over to the fig because I get McLaren by the glass. Oh, my God. McLaren Syrahs. Hey, it's a beautiful yeah. thing. It is, he just got a really... I saw something on, on Instagram, too, about his Syrah that was... Um, I, I don't even remember who it was, but it was very complimentary of the Syrah, which made sure... And, it's good stuff. It is. It's good. And the Viognier, if you still haven't had his Viognier, we're still pouring the 2020 Viognier at the hotel. It's just one of my favorite wines to drink in free time. Hi, how are you? Good. Hold up. The neighborhood segment from the winemakers. <laughs> it's, it's like Mr. Rogers. Remember when people just come by at Mr. Well, Rogers' the, neighborhood? The women's view on yoga, <laughs> and now we have neighborhood segment. That's cool. Neighborhood, neighborhood pricing like uh, yeah. Mark I get four fifty and he gets four fifty. I can get four fifty. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. So we're switching from Dane. Oh, was that it for you? No. Yeah, just two wines. Just a shiner. You know what? The, the shiner is a total shiner. Okay. And it's got a Dane Sellers cork in it, but it was way down low in my rack. And I think I gave a friend that made homemade wine some corks one time. Um, and he gave me back some of the wine with, and it was Shiner's, right? That definitely wasn't a new bottle because of the way that had that sediment forming around the shoulder of it. Yeah, it well, no, the cork was from, the cork was an 09. Oh. 
So, I mean, you guys are welcome to ta- talk or taste it, but I'm just not do sure. Do you still what it have is. some 09 Syrah? I do. I'm taking it down to hospice. All of it? Well, the little bit that I have left. Okay. For the library tasting? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I have like seven cases of it. I still have a bottle of it. It's it, And I think it's still, yeah, it's tasting really good. And then um, I asked Casey Graybelt to bring some of his skin contact carbonic Grenache Blanc, which he made like, I don't know, 22 cases or something of. But I asked if he would save a few for us to bring it down to hospice and drink down there. Sounded sounded unusual. Hospice is going to be busy. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. And I got some wines from Lyle, from a, a winery in Walla Walla, Oregon. Some dude up there, Martin Lyle something. Fast? Yeah, uh, yeah. It was on one of the emails. Was, I, I'm on, on his email. Oh, now. it was that Pinot that he. There was a Syrah, a Pinot, and I got a his bottle like only of cal- Gruner. Basically, that's why I jumped on it. Um, I, was, I guess I missed. When that. is it going to? And it was do- from Milton Freewater. When is it going to ship. ship, do you know? It's already here. All right. So, okay. So, truth be told, what I did is... Oh, you went you went above and... You went around the normal procedures. And, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I didn't want to have to wait. And so, I just Psalm. went directly... Pulled a Psalm card. Pulled a Psalm card. Directly to the source, and, and it was at my house in three days. I want to make sure I had it by hospice, because I want to bring the Syrah. Yes. Good things come to those who ask, right? What is this beast? That's why I didn't want Jasmine to decant it. This is why I wanted to decant it. (laughs) (laughs) It's about watching it open in the glass. This is... Petite Syrah is like five different wines. It's a wine when you first open it. It's a wine 15 minutes later. It's It's a wine 45 minutes later. It's a different wine an hour and a half later, and it's a different wine tomorrow. Jasmine, do you want to introduce this? This is 25 cases, super small project, um, brand spanking new. Uh, This is our Petite Syrah coming from our beloved Rossi Ranch, um, where it's anything that comes out of that vineyard is just baller status. This is definitely a Pardon me. (laughs) I mean, it's definitely a big wine. Yeah. But... But it's, it's balanced. Like, it's not. And this brightness and aggressive. freshness in the mid palate. Yeah. Uh, and that, like, quintessentially Rossi Ranch spice box aromatics. So, wait a minute. Diesel trucks. Is, is, is there. <laughs> I, I think it's the soil. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the plants that are around it might have something to do with it, but really, like, you know, now we have. When 2018 vintage, uh, Adutet, Valrassi homage, Odellini homage, um, the Petit Syrah, and Zinfandel. And there's this sort of aromatic through line. Um, and and I, I think it's the soil, this sort of like mix of red and ashy volcanic soil that, um, you know, build this, this aromatic profile. It's so, so cool walking around there too. Like you just you're literally watching this the, the ground change colors yeah. everywhere you go. So Sam It's kinda of like the base of Sonoma Mountains, like tucked away in the hills. And honestly, like I feel like it's the closest to France we can get to Sonoma Valley. Like there's always this quintessential Rossi nose that we have when we're tasting barrel samples or older Va- Rossi and the ageability of Rossi. Like the twenty thirteen right, yeah, is yeah. still oh, my favorite. Um, that's a Sam question. I Go get to Morton's Warm Springs. 
It's uh, so the Rossi Ranch is um, straddles Lawndale Road, which runs from the, the north end of Lawndale Road hits Highway 12, like what's that Indian Springs Vineyard, yeah. and and sort of like basically the the border between the north end of Sonoma Valley and Santa Rosa, uh, and then Lawndale sort of like kind of goes over the sort of toe of Sonoma Mountain there, yeah, and then. At the end, and it makes a directional change too. It goes from heading south to heading east. Yeah, yeah. It takes a a hard. You take a hard left turn, and then at the end, as you come down to the the Sonoma Creek, the basically Warm Springs Road, Warm Springs Road, and the north end of Sonoma Creek, you end up at the Rossi Ranch. Uh, vineyard on and anybody who's psych you know all the cyclists of the area know it because you're you're in vineyards on both sides uh with you know some of the the 1910 planting right along the i guess that's the north side of the road um you know the old house there the old barns the goats Mm -hmm. as you get down to the creek um really is a a place that like hasn't you know i found these i have these photos of me out there as a kid, my you know my dad worked there from like seventy seven to probably eighty six, eighty seven, uh, with four Val. How come there's no pictures of Max? Because he wasn't born yet. There's pictures of Max. Okay. The picture that we have in here of Ma- of Phil holding a cluster of um, I think it's Leveroni Sauvignon Blanc, and Max is sitting in like a two ton gondola. Okay. Yeah, that that was. That I thought was... maybe it was you know you were kind of washing right. him out of also, the picture like, and stuff. Also, like you know the the. My mom had a had a this old Minolta film camera that she used to take everywhere, and then when she had two kids, she probably didn't have enough room for the camera. <laughs> but but my point is, we have these photos of from out there in the early '80s, and a couple of weeks ago, Sandy Odellini, who who now owns the property and and restored Val's house and like saved all these photos that they had, sent me these photos of Val and his sister there when they were the same age that I was in 1986, you know, three, four years old. And it really looks the same. Yeah. The, you know, I, you can splice them together because the the property hasn't changed, you know, that much in 100, 120 years. In fact, what we've done there in the last 10 That's, years, we, Enterprise Vineyards, is... is um, You've made it more like what it was. Right. Well, one, the first thing my dad did was ripped out all those vine- vines that were along the road and put them back into the row direction right. that Carlo Rossi had, you know, not, not the jug wine, but Val's father had planted them in 1909. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. There, there was a, there was a period of ownership where there was some damage done to the historical part of that vineyard. And, um, Phil's gone a long way, oh, so. putting it back. Well, they tore out vines and they did things that, you know, um, I mean, the one thing that happened that's major, but it had to be done, was they they fenced both sides of the of the road. But um, that's understandable. That, that pissed off the, the neighborhood. Yeah. But the the most heinous thing that they did, whoever was farming that out there, the old vines that you know had been farmed there since 1909, literally were as tall. You know, the the head of the vine was as tall as a bottle. You know, Jeez. 18 top inches, of a bottle, 18 inches off the ground and that's a pain in the ass to farm it's a pain in the ass to pick so somebody in their infinite wisdom thought they'd take one arm of that head and train it up another two or three feet and cut away the rest of it and, and sort of like retrain a new 
still head train, but retrain a new head, you know, head further, you know, higher. And that nothing would, nothing, they could have done nothing else that would have thrown those vines more out of balance mm. and those big cuts, uh, you know, on that old wood just opened it up to disease. And, and so, you know, unfortunately, a lot of those old vines aren't surviving that as much as we can, you know, whatever we can do to, to keep them. But um, it's just, it was too harsh of a, of a change. Um, and, you know, so a big part of what we got back in there was to try and, you know, resurrect and, and revive as much of that vineyard as we could. Who did we talk to that had um, low vines like that, but it was because they did it with horse? Brooks, oh, that was um, I, I know that vineyard. And, and, That's up and, north. And they uh, uh, horse ho- uh, horse and oh, God damn it, we used to carry their wine at the girl and the fig, and and they had the vine so low. And one day I asked the yeah, guy, I was looking at pictures, and he was like, "Oh, it's because of the rains." And I'm like, "Why is rain? What does rain have to do with why you put the?" And he said, "No, the rains on the on the horses because they would plow in between the." in between the rows and the horse would be on one row and the plow would be on the other row. And so the vines had to be low enough to where the rains could clear the vines. Well, I imagine that's the same. I mean, historically what they were doing at at the Rossi ranch also, you know, you know what I think that was, um, now you think about it. I think that was the guys from drive and they buy grapes from the Puccini vineyard. That's in dry Creek Valley. Um, uh, Glenn, Proctor, his family's vineyard, and that was his grandfather used to do it with mm-hmm. it. So that might have been a story related to that, to yeah. the, when they were on. But Sam, what did this? Where did this petite go before you? Well, guys wait a minute. Yeah, and, and I have one more question: Is this a block of petite, or have you guys tagged no, the vines? No, this is this is a block of petite that was that was replanted uh, in two thousand seven. Okay, uh, but with the the Budwood. Budwood from the property. Right, okay. Um, you know, with the, the original Budwood. And I think they may have mixed in some other clones. And so this ago. is on the north side. North side. The sort of um, north side, northeast side on that, that back slope going down towards the barn. To the barn, okay, right. yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know, you know, we got in, in 18... Um, actually, the reason that we started getting this is because it was a little... One of... Combi's thoughts with making the Autotets is that he would want to use some Petite Syrah to add some depth and color. We ended up not, um, you know, some of it went into just kind of fill out Sonoma Valley's in, you know, a couple percentage, but um, we're that's why we were able to do this bottling. That's also why, you know, if I had gone to Phil and said, hey, let's. Let's let's take a ton of the petite syrah. That'll be fun. And he just said, "What the hell are you crazy?" Yeah. But because Combi said it, right, uh, <laughs> makes perfect sense. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, so we did, you know, we did it in eighteen uh, a ton. We actually have um, the nineteen is like one hundred and fifty cases, um, wow. and, and moving forward, it's just you know, it is um, what I love about it. I'm I'm not a huge, I don't know a whole lot about petite syrah, but it is just so Rossi Ranch. Yeah. Um, almost even before it's Petite Syrah, it has that, you know, the intensity, the structure, the, the tannin of of the Rossi Ranch that you get from all those varieties, and it's certainly a wine that's gonna gonna age. But it's got this 
again, that's that sort of spice box characteristic, this freshness in the mid palate. Um, oh, it's fucking awesome. And these are the kind of wines I love to have. Anytime you see 25 cases made, you know that there was one barrel. There was no blending. There was just what we had is what we had. And we put it in a bottle and, and very few people are going to get it. And are you guys selling this or it goes out in wine club? We, we just put this ad in our like month of Rossi. Uh, Wait, so so if, you're on, if you're on the mailing list, you got an email um, last week that had a link to. But if you guys go to our website right now, um, it takes you to a, a new version of selling wine on our website that we're trying at. Um, but it's through mm-hmm. Vine Springs. So there's 25 cases. You go and order this. And then as soon as it's gone, we'll take it off. I imagine that we'll have enough that um, Jasmine will uh, sprinkle some into. You gonna pour it in uh, the tasting room? We, we actually have a all Rossi exclusive Ooh, menu right now. Nice. Where there's so many of them that you get to select a few, unless you have no plans for the rest of your day. And you're a good customer. Eight, eight Rossi wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we we are doing like a Rossi only flight right now, which is really awesome. Just being able to do, you know, pink, white, and red. Super cool. Mavedra, Roussan, Hommage Blanc. The Mavedra Rosé, Roussan, the Hommage Blanc can be in there. And you have the Petit Syrah, the Zinfandel, uh, which we also did like 25 cases of, and 18, and then... Library. Uh, library, Rossi... 17, which the 17 Val Rossi homage, which is the current release. Uh, you know, maybe we'll open an 18 Naughty Rossi Grenache. Um, so, but you should really come for the 13 Rossi. Oh boy, although somebody told me the 15 right now is like in it, so we're gonna open a 15 this weekend and see how it I we need, can open the 15. I, I, t- I ordered it behind the velvet. Um, <laughs> can't pour wine that's in the warehouse and not in the tasting room right um so yeah maybe we'll open a 15 and a 13 this weekend so i love it we've got some friends of the pods coming in too (sighs) your co-worker tyson's coming on friday oh tyson and megan yeah okay shout out tyson who's been working in the um, purchasing department for the last i don't know three or four months or something um it's been nice to have someone who actually likes wine working in the Oh, I'm sure. Beverage purchasing department. <laughs> Some good conversations get started. Cool. That'll be fun. Cool. You guys just get better at making wine every year. Do you think, do you agree? Practice Bart, makes Bart, you're, better. Bart, you're always, Bart's always self-deprecating, but you, you do. Your wines are getting better every um, year. Thank you. Focus. First of all. Yeah. I think focus. it's focus. I mean, I know the fact that I'm, doing the winery full-time now has made the wines better i've been able to spend a lot more time in the vineyard which makes me understand the vineyards or helps me start to learn the vineyards more um so you know again thank you but i yeah i think the wines are getting better i do i also think and um, hidden in that is that you know before he thought we had room for improvement It's not. I mean, it's just... I, I've I've always yeah no no absolutely um but but I can actually you know to go to that I always look back at wines and and I'm super critical of them of what it is and early on I was always kind of trying to chase somebody else's idea of what wa- right. wine style was and now I think I'm becoming more comfortable in what let my the vineyards own... speak yeah you know not let the vineyards speak but listen to 
um, your grape grower and and let the vineyard just yeah tell you when it's ready. Grape whisper. When there's a, something you know, <laughs> uh, twenty twenty one vintage was our eighth vintage harvesting grapes from the Rossi Ranch. Our first was twenty thirteen. Yeah, and I, you know I I know that we've learned a lot about how those wines are going to develop you know, in fermentation, in barrel, yeah. in bottle, and, and you start to apply that. And, you know, most of what it is is um, pulling back a little bit, especially yeah. in those in those early fermentation days. I um, totally agree. To, just because it, these wines can be just as, as big as uh, anything, you know, Cabernet. Um, so turning pulling back a little bit cooler in the fermentation – a little bit longer in the fermentation, a little less aggressive in the punch downs. Um, definitely have sort of helped focus the wines a little bit. Um, and you know what? I'll say right now that for the five years or almost five years we've been doing this podcast, being able to sit and have these conversations with our guests and hearing what they're doing makes you think differently about what you do yourself, yeah. um, whether it's a grape grower or a winemaker or whatever. Um, so there's a lot more self-reflection and, um, and just, you know, just ex- more experience. Come on our show. We're going to steal all your good ideas. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Except from Jeff Cohn, because he never tells us anything. Well, we made petite Right. <laughs> yeah. exactly. uh, have you heard from him since he's moved to Healdsburg? Is um, he you know okay? what? I, Jeff actually invited me to come up last Sunday to, um, tr- go through all of his new releases with him and I couldn't make it, um, so I, that would have been a lot of fun, but so yeah, we stay in touch. I mean, he's he's and doing he, well. He came by and actually um, bought a set of the new Audutet releases, and said it's you know he said it was got, okay, except he needed more petite straw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't open them for him. He just opened them on his own dime. <laughs> um, yeah, he that's what he said. He the, said the Healdsburg um, tasting room has worked out real well, and he really likes the winery where he's making his wine at. I see LaFrenda moved into his old spot, but there was somebody in there between Jeff leaving and LaFrenda. No, there wasn't. Nobody at all? Yeah, no. So so this is a 2009, Brian, that you're pouring, and and, and and I'm pretty sure that that's a 2009 Los Chamazal, which would have been the very first year that I got it from them. Um, And and it, um, that was a wine that was, you know, picked. But this is maybe a whole I don't know. I think it's actually, I think that's just my wine. I think that's just what's happened to it. I mean, it's a 2009, so it's a 13-year-old, you know, 15.5, you know, 3.99 pH Zinfandel because that was the type of wine I was making at the time. I, I'm not sure. Brown sugar. That's the problem with, you know, shiners. <laughs> you just don't know. Yeah. So make some fun. It's tired, is what I would say. So this is what I see on my hike every day. This is that vineyard? Yeah. Okay. At the top. At the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The one across the road is hands up. I I know that. Right. Hmm. Um, What else, guys? Anything else going on? It's Kevin Burns' birthday. It is Kevin Burns' birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Kevin. He's somewhere between... 16 and 65. Right, exactly. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to convince your father to buy the other half of your Christmas present. <laughs> um, 
I um, we're going to have a guest in a couple of weeks. So I, I have something kind of cool that I got involved in um, the Roots Fund. Um, uh, An organization was started to um, help promote um, equality in the wine industry, you know, specifically, I think, mainly for African-American um, uh, people in the industry, try to grow their experiences. And they were looking for mentors. Um, and so I threw myself into, um, uh, put through my, my quote unquote resume out and, um, a, a winemaker in Maryland, um, philosophywines.com. Um, we've been talking for a couple weeks and, uh, we're not really sure what we're doing. They, this is very kind of loose. Um, her name's, uh, Kimberly Johnson. Um, and she's coming out in a couple weeks. Awesome. And, um, so I'm setting up some tours with her with some wineries, um, yeah, Maryland Winery. They're located in Baltimore. Um, uh, or she get, well, we'll have to find out when she grapes gets Grapes are Maryland grapes. Grapes are Maryland grapes. Yeah, so we're going to have her on the show, if that's all right with you guys. Um, and uh, I'm anxious to see the wines that they're making. So it's it's been it's been interesting. Like, I never really thought about, you know, what I have to offer to that, you know, because as you guys all know, I my business sense is um, not my strong part in the winery part of it. It's more but it's the, on brand, <laughs> but it's on brand. That's exactly right. Um, but, but it's, we've had some really interesting conversations about, you know, um, being a very small winery, you know, one or two people, she has a partner in the business, um, uh, and the things that you go through and, and, and I brand identity and promotion and whatnot. So I'm looking forward to actually meeting her as opposed to uh, phone calls. So, and I, I know we've got Tara Jane Albee booked on, I think it's the 25th, um, which will be coming up. And she's from Own Root Collective. If you want to follow it on Instagram, I've been following her for a while and finally just reached out and asked her because I, I see a lot of familiar faces on there. Of people that we've had on the podcast, she promotes small producers it's uh, it's very the go to the website it's very vague on what it's about so i totally and that's to like and that's going, why i want to so have her on is, the show yeah exactly what because is this? I'm, I'm like looking at all the i'm like well we we know these people so what is it exactly it's, it's that kinda you're kind of like a, it's a tasting room maybe i don't i don't know i don't know she and she listens to the to the podcast so she might be listening to us right now going right. you guys have no idea what it is i do right so. perfect Oh, well, well, we can do that. So, Jasmine, you said we should get Kale Anderson on, right? Which... Because Jasmine wants to... We are getting Kale Anderson on. Snag Unfo the bottles that he leaves on the table. At the unfortunately, the it will be... I want the broken be, axle. <laughs> unfortunately, it will be in Paso Robles um, with Christoph, his um, distributor, because mm. um, I just did a tasting with him a couple weeks ago, and he they are going to be down in Paso, and, and I they would said that they would come on the um a podcast if we mm. did one down there his wines right now are fucking off the chain it what's so what's great. super exciting is he's doing these um chardonnays these three chardonnays from different vineyards and i think it was the hide chardonnay that i tried which just fucking blew my mind um but he's he's doing pinot and chard and and lots of different Interesting. stuff and, yeah his and his his roan stuff is just yeah. awesome yeah it's my jam it's good stuff. His Pinot and his Chardonnay are paying for his <laughs> to make his to, to do the wrong things he wants to so do. So he has a company where he's doing um, consulting, and one of them is Domaine de la Riviere, uh, Marla um, and Jeffrey Bedrosian, 
who do Russian River, Chardonnay, and Pinot. Um, so he started doing that for them. He'd um, gotten to be friends of theirs. And then they wanted to do a tasting with me, and I knew that Kale was their winemaker. So I said, yeah, I'd love to do a tasting, but I would really love to do it with Kale so I could try his wines at the same time. So it, it was kind of funny because we tried the Pinot Noir and Chard, and they were, they were great. Um, but you're like, yeah, yeah, it's Pinot Noir and Chard. And then he started pulling out his bottles of the stuff that I really like. And then, then the conversation got real lively. Um, and then, then he said, well, I got these, um, Chardonnays that I made that don't have labels on them yet, but they're from these really cool vineyards. I mean, established, you know, vineyards of super high end, um, Chardonnay and they were fucking awesome. So he will be down in Paso. I don't know if he's down there with Ronco, his wife, but he'll be down there with his distributor and we can, we can definitely... Try some of the ones. Oh. He hit me up on LinkedIn of all places. So I will uh we'll we'll get him on soon. He wants he wants to come on his hunting hunting heavy there. I you you know I love Bob's wines and because we're doing a uh, winemaker dinner with three sticks this year, and I was told that Ryan Pritchard is not available, but Brittany Harrisy told me, Don't worry, someone from the winery will be there to represent us. And I said, I responded with Bob Cabral, question mark. And she said, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. And I'd say, well, maybe if we have him on the podcast, we can actually, I can get him nailed down to like, hey. Do you have that full lineup of your, of your, yes. you sh- have you said it? Is it posted uh, anywhere? No, can we go find it? No. Okay. I don't is it think a secret? So. It's not a secret. I, um, Anaba is one. Blue Farm. So Ann Muller Rock. Um, and Katie Wilson from Anaba. And then um, Three Sticks, obviously. Um, Chateau Escalon, the people that make Whispering Angel, Rock Angel, Garris, that will be our plant-based dinner. Um, so that'll be a vegan winemaker dinner. Vegan, uh, so all the rosés are vegan. All, it, it'll be, yeah. I had to look that up, too, on Barnivore to make sure. Um, and, and, and it'll be kind of cool to do, you know, when you're pairing... When you're not using proteins in a winemaker dinner and you're pairing with wines, it can be a little bit um, challenging sometimes, like to do red wine with vegetables. Everyone thinks of mushrooms, you know, or, you know, truffles or stuff like that. But when you open it up to five courses of rosé, then you can do like spicy stuff. You can do really herbaceous stuff. So stuff that normally would kind of get clobbered by a red wine. Um, so that that'll be i think it'll be really fun and then um i'm missing two i know what one of them is the um, oh dave finney is our first one so in april it was a dream of our director of operations to do a dave finney winemaker dinner um, he's been trying to do it for like 10 years so i think with us pouring 16 dave finney wines by the glass over the last few months we we sort of got the we got the Primed the pump we got the okay to, <laughs> to, and we nailed him down for the dinner in April. And then the last one will be, and I've got it approved by you, but your mom just showed up. So hopefully, I don't, she probably doesn't it's even know this. It's not ski season, so she'll, she'll say yes. Okay, so it, the, the last dinner is going to be our wine grower dinner, and it's going to be a celebration of harvest, and it's going to be a tribute to Phil Couturi. So it's going to be all wines that are farmed by Phil Couturi. So love to have... Jane Sellers, 16600, uh, um, Stone Edge Farm, um, Cayman, Reprie, like whatever whatever we have, Buck, yeah, all, I mean, whatever we have, I think it, I think what it's going to end up being is a long table a of, of 30 people that sort of 
not only will I provide the wines that we have that are farmed by Phil, but I have a feeling that people will bring wines that they have in their cellar that um, were farmed by Phil and it'll become kind of like a an homage um, to Phil and everything he's done in the last uh, It, it will be years. like a week shy of his uh, of an important Z- big zero birthday. Oh, super cool. Well, and then I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but do we want to talk about uh, Maya? No. Okay. All right. Well, I'm Maya not... comma Chardonnay should definitely be at that dinner. Right. All right. There you go. Well, we'll reach, we'll reach out to Braden. Sorry, I was just having a conversation with Adriana Duckworth from executive director SVVGG, and we were just having S-V-V-G-G-A. a conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who um, is going to be helping me anyway with some of the You're dinners on, and pouring on the, the board there now, right? Bart? I am now on the board. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else had enough spare free time. And- well, the- <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, he's still not pouring at the Fairmont. Wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know they book the people that, that pour at the hotel. I do. I guess I... Um, I, I, I You're going to have to show up on a Tuesday. Right, exactly. As okay. opposed to a Thursday. You know, you could come Sunday. Well, Wednesday you know? you're at Riff Raff, so... Right, exactly. I have to wait and see how track practice um, times, you know, yeah. okay. the carpool. But right. yeah, Brian, I'll get myself right into the Fairmont. All right, cool. No, th- 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 congratulations th- on the. I didn't know that the board. Yeah, you know what? I, um, uh, I, yeah. It's it's nice to be asked. Um, you know, I I've my whole stake is in Sonoma Valley, right? Um, with the exception of the Shannon, and so I I try to talk the talk, and so if they need help, I'm happy to help. And you know, the fact that there are some well-established Sonoma Valley vineyards that um, are no longer owned locally that are resisting being part of it. Um, I feel that I can work some guilt there, you know, with those companies and maybe try to bring those, some of those companies back into the organization. And Adriana was former employers is what you're thinking. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, if you're gonna, you, you, maybe the majority of your wine is that you sell under those brands is not grown here. But when you have a tasting room and your marketing is we're all about Sonoma and a billboard and a billboard, then you know what? You ought to support the local organization that's helping build this, the county, you know? So cool. I didn't have to do anything. I told Adriana I was going to go on my little SVVGGA rant this yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, and, and you, you know, and there are some other people that make wine here that will resist joining because they don't make enough wines from Sonoma Valley. And that's fine. You know, I, I can't fight that fight, but I can ask them, you know, I can make a plea to them to be a part of it. Well, and um, and more importantly, I think we what we were talking about is kind of taking it back to the everyday wine consumer, too. Well, and, well, and well, right. Yeah. And not not doing dinners for three hundred fifty dollars right. a plate. Right. And well, so some here's something that the and I think I can talk about this. So the Sonoma Valley Vintners and Growers has um, taken over the. Um, uh, the Vintage Festival. Um, the Vintage Festival, um, the organization that was running it wanted out. 
There was a chance that maybe an outside operation might come in and take it over and do whatever they wanted with it. And so um, under Maureen's guidance. The longest running parade in the history of California, yes, right? Yeah. And so Maureen, under the under started with Maureen, they worked it out. So we are now um, in charge of it. And so there's been some discussion of, you know, what where we take that back to. And, you know, I think some of my earliest memories of going to that were um, hanging out at the barracks and the mission for the gala festival with the Katuris, you know, and, um, and tasting some great wines and, and just great things. And I remember when they used to do the public tasting on the plaza, which was always very much a Sonoma Valley thing. And people would come from all over for that. And that was, that was for anybody. That wasn't a $500 ticket. That was, you could buy tickets and go taste. And, um, so, yeah. um, so anyway, it's, it could be super exciting. Um, uh, it, it's during the vintage, it's during the harvest, which makes it a little hard for some of the people on the board and, and whatnot. Um, but I think it's perfect for the organization. Well, there's so. a lot of people here that time of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Any other shout outs? Not for me. I'm good. How about a shout out to a listener and, uh, Jimmy powers who, Went, uh, took a bottle of our Mavedra Rosé on vacation. Yeah. And was drinking it on the slopes of Bale or Breckenridge or somewhere. Uh, so, Beaver Creek, I think. Beaver Creek. Yeah. yeah. Either uh, way. Take, take more wine on vacation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But absolutely. that's a commitment, right? You, that means you got to put it in your luggage, which takes up space yeah, from your you know, socks you and your underwear. Throw $50 down on an extra bag. And bring six bottles where you're going, and yeah. you'll spend save a lot of money drinking overpriced resort markup <laughs> fee. Well, King of State Pinot Gris at ninety dollars well, a bottle. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, there's other th- things that are very simple to do, um, and this is from experience: is um, take a wine shipper and um, check it as a piece of luggage, and so just pick it up at the. Um, at, at the luggage ferry i don't know i've or, seen too many youtube videos of those guys throwing you're stuff. going on vacation and we'll ship it to uh, your hotel we and it'll be waiting for you when you check in yeah yep. don't tell us tell jasmine you're going on vacation <laughs> and where you want the what you need shipped and it'll be there when you get there nice to have jasmine on the pod today absolutely yep that's it i'll give you a <laughs> shout out like right. that's it it's nice to be here yeah All right, everybody. Thanks so much. We will see you next week. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.